I think before you write anything for a course or a blog post or whatever you are writing, that you need to be incredibly super clear on who you're writing it for. So that you can use the terms that they would know, you can use you know, phrases that they would respond to. And that if you haven't gotten your ideal customer really, really deeply nailed down, that your copy is not going to connect. So go grab my ideal customer workbook if you need a little help in that department. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 597. Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I am so happy that you're here to join us today, and I am thrilled to be introducing our guest, Emma Bates. Emma is... Oh my gosh. Okay. This will be coming out. What did you just say about job title? (laughs) Copywriter and blogger. I knew that. I listened to you. (laughs) I promise. Emma is a copywriter and blogger from Emma Bates. And I have to tell you listeners, and Emma, you can share if you have seen this experience, please, with any of your clients. But I was just sharing with Emma in the pre-chat that she is one of the first guests, if not the very first guest to come in from the form on my site where you can submit to be a guest. And the reason why she's the first, and I mean this with all love, Emma, I hope you know that, is because nobody could find the form because it was hidden and I didn't even realize it. But anyway, I know that's not really related to copywriting, but I'm sure as a blogger, you understand that we need to make our sites easy. But Emma, welcome. I am so thrilled to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Now, I know your story, and it fascinated me from the moment I opened up the email. I mean, I think that's the fastest, even to now, now that that form is not hidden. It's the fastest that I've ever responded and said, yes, come on. But because the listeners may not know your story. Would you mind sharing a little bit of your entrepreneurial background and how you got here? Yeah. So after I had my second son, well, second child, first son, (laughs) back in 2011, I actually jumped into doing baking for a local cafe and my farmer's market. And I made granola. I based it off a recipe from my mother-in-law and I tweaked it and Pretty soon, people were calling me like the day before the farmer's market to reserve my granola. And it just like took off. I started to search around for a commercial bakery so that I could grow bigger because I was pretty much maxing out the space I had in my home kitchen. And I started selling wholesale. It just like kind of blew my mind. It went really quickly and I got to be pretty well known in the state. The I won an award for the granola from like our state's small business association type of thing. And There's a granola award? There was not a granola award. They made a granola award. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was an editor's choice. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So the the granola was gluten-free and vegan, so it was really really well received by a wide variety of people, and I really really enjoyed it. But I had two small kids and I was gone almost every weekend to some sort of event. And then I was gone two or three evenings a week until like midnight or 2 a.m. making and, and bagging granola. So in 2014, I 
decided I was going to have to stop doing it. It just wasn't really feasible with small children. And, you know, I didn't have any daycare or anything. So it was, I was home during the day with them. And, you know, with late nights and everything, it was just getting really hard. So I actually ended up finding somebody to buy it. And she is still going strong with it, still growing and doing really well. So that's exciting to see. And it actually ended up being a really good timing because I sold it in the spring. And that fall, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And then two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So I had about like nine months of sort of craziness. Uh, I had to have surgery when I was pregnant. And luckily, my little girl was perfectly fine. She came out healthy. And she's been a riot ever since. And so, you know, I sort of got through that part. I had to wait a while to have my final treatment because they made me radioactive. I was really hoping for superpowers. I did not get any yet. I'm, you know, keeping my mind open. (laughs) They gave me a radioactive pill and I had to be away from the kids for like two weeks because of that. You had to be away from your kids for three weeks? Two weeks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. So yeah, that was really hard. That was probably the hardest thing. It wasn't like the side effects or anything. It was being gone for two weeks. Okay. I know you were going through cancer, but I have to tell you, Two weeks away from my kids at some points would be like, hallelujah. And I know that it's so callous. I am so sorry, but I'm just like, No, I kind of expected that. And maybe for like the first three days, I was like, oh, you know, I'm sleeping. I'm relaxing. And then it was like, yeah, okay, I'm ready to go home. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Now, I, I want to ask, let's just imagine that that pill really did give you superhero powers. Yeah. What one superhero power would you want? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know, maybe like to be able to fly. That would be really nice. That's the one that I think of most yeah. often and or it's being invisible. I would love mm. I am so nosy. I will yeah. not deny it at all. I am a nosy person and I would love to be able to stand in rooms and just listen to people without them knowing I was there. Yeah, that would be pretty cool too. And it, my mom brain is saying like to stop time so I could just lay down and take a nap. Mm. Like, you know, my kids going crazy. That would be nice, too. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a four-year-old climb into my bed at seven o'clock this morning. I do not use alarms. Yeah. Yep. And for some reason, she was up early. Okay. Listeners, my littles have not been in daycare for eight months now. And we are, I mean, my gray hair is multiplying every day. My husband is now, like, officially bald. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. We love our kids, but they are driving us crazy. So anyway, they've been allowed to stay up later thinking that, okay, they will get up later. Well, this was not the day. So she lays down in between us and starts poking at my face. And I'm just like, really? She's like, what's that? And she's like pointing out pimples and freckles. I don't have a lot of pimples, but it's like, what's that? What's that? And I'm like, just go to sleep. please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you transitioned out of your business. I would love to know more about selling it, but I, I don't want to get hung up there right now. And then what happened? So after I sort of went through all the treatment and stuff, I am definitely the type of person who I need something outside of just being a mom. Yeah, I love my kids and we have a great time together, but it's not stimulating to my brain. <laughs> and so I decided to jump back online and try something new. I tried an e-commerce store and that didn't really work out. I didn't really like it. So then I started working as a virtual assistant, figuring I could use the skills I'd learned, you know, promoting my own business to help people with websites and marketing and 
And then I said, you know, I might as well take all this and start a blog too. So I think it was about a year after I started doing virtual assistant stuff, maybe nine months, I started a blog and just like really hopped in and started to learn everything I could about running a business online. And at this point, my blog is about three years old, still going strong. And I have sort of graduated from the term virtual assistant. And I now do more like copywriting and sales page design, email marketing, that type of thing. Okay, I love so many aspects of what you just said. I do want to start with a question though. When you started your blog, were you writing in your own voice? Or were you writing what you thought people wanted to hear? Oh, God, that's a good question. I was writing in my own voice, but I was definitely trying to emulate some of the bloggers that I really liked online. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like the early stuff I was writing was incomplete. You know, it didn't have one focus. You know, each blog post was sort of rambly. And so it definitely took about a year, I think, before I really found my actual online voice, where I was able to, like, get in there and make my point you know, have one focused topic and, and not sort of deviate and go other places in the middle of the post. You're talking about my blog post right now. I still have struggles with that, but that sort of is my voice. Yep. Which I can't, I don't know if I can, am I explaining that? Okay. I mean, I just ramble. I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, I can be all over. No, I'm not on drugs. No, I don't need drugs, but I can be all over on any given day. But yeah, I've gotten better at writing in my voice. I mean, one of my first blog articles was about why we as entrepreneurs need life insurance. But I didn't even have life insurance when I wrote the article. That article is long since gone. And if I'm going to be totally honest, I still don't have life insurance. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Jay Gabrani's episode, I think that was 570. I'll put a link in the show notes, people. You need to go listen to it because we do need to be preparing in case something happens, including getting life insurance. Maybe one of these days I'll eat my own words and actually do it. But yeah, what about putting calls to action in your articles? Oh man, that took me so long mm -hmm. to figure out how to do email and calls to action and, you know, have whatever I wrote about, have a relevant call to action to it. And, but, you know, I think going back, if I look at the older stuff, it really is. It's all over the place. It doesn't always connect to the call to action at the bottom. And yeah, I try not to look at the early stuff too much. I try <laughs> to move on. <laughs> yeah. So on January 1st or around then of this year, and I am going to timestamp this because it's important to know, I did a 19 for 2019 list. Gretchen Rubin inspired it. Yeah. And I had hundreds of visits go to it right away. And after the fact, I realized, oh my gosh, you didn't have a call to action in that article. And now looking at all the past articles, there's no call to action in any of them either. <laughs> you are such a dope, Kim. And I'm not <laughs> trying to insult any of you listeners who are like, what do you mean? Like, it's okay. I've been in business for seven years and I'm just remembering to do this stuff. Yeah. But for listeners who may not understand call to action, would you mind explaining for them? Yeah, so a call to action would be the thing that you're asking the reader to do. So it could be to sign up for your email list to get a freebie. It could be to follow you on a social media platform or join your Facebook group. It's the one thing you want that person to do when they're done reading your blog post. Yes, that was so nice and concise. <laughs> Clearly, I'm just so glad that you did that instead of me. <laughs> 
Now, that is one thing that I do struggle with, though, with my clients quite regularly is they just want to put a button up on their site that says, sign up for my newsletter. Mm. So I'll always ask them, how many emails do you get in a day? And most of them say hundreds. Like, how many do you actually read? Yeah. And a common response is also, oh, I have like 10,000 emails in my inbox waiting to be read. Like, okay, why do you think that people who visit your site are just going to sign up for another newsletter? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what do you want to give them? Like, what would help them right now that they could take action on in like the next two minutes and get something done? Ah, it's like, I don't know, old Looney Tunes cartoons. You know, you see this, the clouds part and hit Bugs Bunny's head. It's like, yep. That's what's up, Doc. So how have you seen your blog grow and your business grow since you initially launched? I know you said you're doing more marketing work now and copywriting, Mm -hmm. but what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned even since starting your business that you hadn't learned in your previous businesses? Oh, that's, that's interesting. Well, this year has definitely been a big shift for me. I started feeling probably the middle of last year that I was too broad. You know, everybody says you got to niche down, you got to niche down. My original topic on my blog was small business for moms. So there was a lot of different aspects I covered. I think it was a really good place for me to start because I was still learning so much. But I definitely felt like, you know, I'm not ever going to grow with this topic because nobody knows me for anything. And I realized I really needed to pick like one thing to be known for. Not that I needed to stop writing about anything else, just that I needed to have something that encouraged people who knew me to send me referrals or tag me in a thread on Facebook, something where I was, you know, the go-to person about this thing. But I couldn't quite figure out what I wanted to be known for. That definitely took me a while to figure out, you know, what was I passionate about that I really liked helping other people with and that I felt I could talk about, you know, forever. And so this year, I focused on sort of changing my main topic on the blog to sales pages, how to write the copy, the different tech aspects of sales pages, you know, how to connect them to your buy button and your email provider and all of that stuff. And it's been a really good change for me. And so I think that the topic of niching down has been, I don't know, it's gotten sort of cliche, I guess, everybody says to niche down. And I think that's sort of missing the point. I think it's just more about picking what you want to be known for, because I don't think you definitely have to write about, you know, one thing. I think it's just that you need to have something that you're, you know, you're known for, and then you fill in around it with other things you're interested in or that go along with it. So that's definitely been a big realization and a big change in sort of how I approach my business. Emma, this is not meant to be a coaching session, but I'm curious. Are sales pages what you want to be known for? And if so, why? I could sit down and make sales pages all day long. It's definitely been one of the most fun things for me, both in learning and in doing. I work for a couple of different marketing agencies as like a contractor and I take on individual clients and I get excited every time somebody's like, oh, I need a sales page. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) So that's been the thing that I'm like, you know, I really, I want to be an expert on sales pages. Last year, I hired a copywriting coach and spent about six weeks really improving my copy. And I have been experimenting with a lot of the different page builders. So, you know, I can use Lead Pages, I can use Beaver Builder, Thrive Architect. It has really, like, it's really fun for me. Oh my gosh, I have been beating my head with Thrive Architect lately. Yeah, it's had some issues lately. 
Well, it was my first experience with them. Yep. I am so used to using Divi and lead pages or click funnels. Yeah. And then going into Thrive, I'm like, oh, okay. This is going to take a cup of coffee and a bottle of wine to get yeah. through this one. <laughs> right. This is totally random and out there, but I just recently discovered that when you're working with a client in lead pages, you can actually copy a template of a page from one account and put it into another so that if you already have a layout that you like and you just need to tweak and change out pictures and text and all that, that you can copy it from one to the other. And that was like a huge, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been doing this over and over and over and over and spending 20 to 40 hours just getting the, okay, that was a, that was a big, you know, (laughs) overestimate at a time. I know it doesn't take that long, but still just being able to take out those three to five hours because I didn't have to build it from scratch. It's like, yeah. This is amazing. Why didn't I look sooner? All right. You ready for my other thing that I've learned recently? That once you've published a page in lead pages, you can download the HTML and then you can use it on Teachable instead of their standard page builder. Okay. That's awesome. But I have another question for you then. If you can download the HTML, can you also put it into, well, in this case, like in Divi? I would imagine that you can anywhere you can add HTML. Oh my heavens. I know. It's been life changing. Wow. So I am in the process of sending up my affiliate area as well as my whole membership site on WordPress using mm-hmm. Access Ally, which I absolutely love. I'm going to be awesome. launching my first two courses over the next year. And that is my creative outlet. When I'm fried at the end of the day, this might surprise some of you, but I love to go into my website and just build. Yes. And some people, I mean, especially my coaches, why are you doing that, Kim? You know, you have better things to be doing. No, actually, at that very moment, that's exactly what I need to be doing because my brain is too fried to write an article. Too, You'll hear it in my voice if I try to record a solo show. Anything else, you'll be able to feel my friedness. That was not proper grammar, I know. But that's where I get my release from. Yeah, I agree with you. I love playing around with page builders and yeah, making something or redoing something. Totally. How many different versions of your site have you had in the last three years? 10 or 12 million, probably. (laughs) I've redone my homepage so many times. I'm finally at a place where I like it pretty much. I think I'm going to rearrange it a little bit, but I like how it looks finally. Well, the thing that's really gotten me over the last, well, since 2015, Mm -hmm. 2015, hired my first coach. And at that point, my business was called Sutton Creative Studios, because that's how it started in 2012. My husband and I started it. If this is your first episode listening, I was an interior architect for a decade, lost my job, became an administrative assistant after failing to properly roll burritos at Chipotle. And life situations happen and I needed to supplement our income somehow. So I started the business as a VA while my husband was going to school for his degree and he wanted to do graphic design in it. So that's where Sutton Creative Studios came about. But I realized designing logos is not really my thing. Like I'll do it for myself. I'll tinker around. I know how to use all the tools, but doing that for other people, like that's a quick way to get to the bottom of my patient's bucket. That's all I had to say about that. So the coach said, why is your business named that? Where's the creative? And I understand that there can be creativity in so many other parts of what I do. I mean, even just trying to figure out how an automation is set up, you have to be creative to think out of the box and figure out, oh, if this, then that, what tool will make it happen? 
ching, you know, let's make it work. I was like, you're right. So then I renamed it to Sutton Strategic Solutions. And that lasted, let's see, three years. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I want the brand to be much bigger than just me. So we shot positive productivity off to be the brand and the agency. But then I guess it all came back to me. I mean, I'm the one that's doing the podcast and I'm out there, you know, so why can't it all just go to one central location? So that's been a big, oh, I don't want to say a waste of time. It's been a big amount Ooh. of discovery over the last year because the whole positive productivity yeah. site was built and then it was unbuilt and moved back onto my site. So if you're listening and wondering what the heck you're doing, don't worry. I think that every single day. Am I doing it right? Am I not doing it right? Who cares? I'm just going to do it and I'll figure it out as I go along. Yeah. And I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's a lifelong discovery. I mean, I think you're constantly learning new things about yourself and about, you know, what you want to do and how you want to present yourself. I don't think we ever stop learning. Oh, no. Emma, I don't know if you know, but my first business was an online scrapbooking store and I didn't even scrapbook. (laughs) And I had a full-time job and I had my two older boys who are from my first marriage. Mm -hmm. So I was working all day as an interior architect. I was working almost all night doing the scrapbooking shop. Oh, and I was, it was manual labor to start. I was making die cuts for scrapbookers until I realized, oh my gosh, I can actually sell supplies. I don't need to make everything. But I was up until probably three o'clock every morning and then back up at five to get to work on time. Yep. And I did that for way too long and wound up in the mental hospital because of it. No, that is not a joke, people. I will link to another episode where you can read about that. And sleep is very important. Please do not do that to yourself. But I didn't close that business because I wanted to. I'm too stubborn to give up on things, even when it's for my best, oftentimes. Mm -hmm. But I closed that business when I left my ex because I was only making a quarter a day. A quarter a day. I had an office. I had all this inventory. I mean, I racked up 100000 in inventory debt. But I realized... If I'm going to leave and build a better life for us, a quarter a day is not going to be enough to feed us. Yeah. Unless we're, no, that would be one meal of one shared packet of ramen. That's not enough. Yeah. So how did you discover, like, what did the moment look like when you discovered that sales pages was going to be what you focused on? Was there something that happened or where did that aha come from? I was working with a coach and I messaged her on Facebook and I was like, I just need somebody to talk this through with me. (laughs) And um, she was like, cool, let's hop on Zoom. And we really, we just sat down and we made a list of all the things that, you know, I was passionate about and I was good at. And she was like, you know, what could you do all day long? And I was like, well, I can write and make sales pages. And she was really like, well, then why don't you just focus on that? And I'm like, I don't know. So it was really just talking it out. Once I made the decision, it was sort of like, duh. Like, why have I not been doing this for the last six months for a year? You know, it really just, I felt a weight off my shoulders. It just really felt like it fit. And it was sort of funny to me how quickly I started to become known for it. I sent an email out to my list and I, you know, made some changes on my website and stuff. It wasn't even like I made that much of a drastic change, but I mean, almost immediately, I started getting referrals in that direction. I started getting people, you know, who I knew emailing me asking me questions or, you know, would you just take a look at my page? And it just really, it just all clicked into place. So it felt like 
almost immediately, I was like, this has totally been the right decision. I should have been doing this for quite a while. How do you answer that question? Can you just take a look at my page? Now I send them the link where they can buy a sales page on it. (laughs) Amen. Thank you for that. Yeah. There's definitely a point where I had looked at, I don't know, a few sales pages in a week. And I was like, I I can't be doing this for every person I know. And I made a, a product. I don't think a lot of people understand how much time they're asking for when they say, can you check this out for a second? Because I'm a giver. And when I take a look at something for, quote, a second, it often turns into an hour. Right. Because I don't just look, I take notes, I take screenshots, I might do a video on Loom saying, you know, I suggest that you do this and then do that. And all those hours stack up. Yes. So listeners, if you do not get anything out or anything else out of this episode, just stop giving away free time Mm. because it's not free time. It's time that you could be spending with your family or working on your business instead of in it. And it increases your value, I think, immediately when you have enough respect in yourself and confidence in your services that you could say, yes, I will do that. But you need to make an appointment here and and pay for your time. Right. Or pay for my time. I think that's a hard mental leap to take if you don't feel, you know, it was definitely a mental shift. And I won't say it was very easy. And I won't. I won't say that I all always do that, you know. Sometimes there's somebody I'm like, I'll do it for this person, but the majority I now send to make an appointment because it is something I really enjoy. But I know that I will go down a rabbit hole, especially for people that are friends, you know, and really try to give them the best of myself. So it is worth the money that I ask from them. wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs, and then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. Well, I love that you brought that up and that we're talking about this because I have just recently made a shift in the podcast. And I know that where this comes in the flow of our podcast right here is going to be after a mid-roll ad. But you may have noticed that that mid-roll ad is actually promoting our own products with the exception of maybe two or three episodes. There has never been a paid ad on this podcast. And I don't know that I ever want to shift that because I can always be promoting people or sending people to my own products and services rather than sending them out to go somewhere else. Or even if we're talking about a tool, like I can send them to my resources page in a mid-roll ad where there's admittedly a whole bunch of affiliate links. But if I can send you to a page that tells you everything that I'm using to help my business run and I can make some affiliate commission off of it, you better believe I'm going to because it did take time to put that list together. Yeah, But where I was going to go with that is the show is currently, I mean, I'm 
booking people to record six months out at this point. And I say this with love to all guests. And Emma, I am not talking about you in any way. I just want you to know that. But there are some guests who forget whose show it is. It's like, is it the host show or is it the guest show? And I want it to be like a a mutual conversation, but it is in the end my show. I mean, it's my team. I'm paying for the team. I'm paying for all the production. But there were some people who were getting a little bit testy because they want to move up their recording. It's like, well, you don't understand. Like, this is my podcast day. And if I'm taking time out of my schedule to go to another day, that's time away from clients and from paying work or creating my own content, which is in turn going to affect revenue. So we just actually had the brilliant idea last week that if they want to move it up, move up the recording, then they can, but they have to pay for the time. Oh, that's awesome. And I know that to some people who know me, they might think, oh my gosh, like you're really going to do that? Yes, I am. Because if I'm taking time, especially if you're a client, if I'm taking time away from doing your work, I want to be paid for it. And I, I'm going to have to make it up some other way because that work still has to get done. Like that strategy that I'm developing for my clients still has to be done some other time. It might have to be done, you know, after the kids go to bed and are still screaming in the room. But <laughs> that's still my time. So when it hit me, and actually my sister, who's my operations director, she asked me, how did you come up with that idea? And I said, chronic idea disorder, baby. Like, I don't know where it came from. I was like, it just boom, hit me out of nowhere. It's like, I deserve to get paid for taking time out of my client time. I know that was a big, long-ling, long, long-ling, long way of explaining that and sharing it. But listeners, you don't have to do anything for free. And that's been my huge discovery of 2019, along with giving my clients tough love. Mm. I think so often we're afraid of insulting our clients, or I was, I know that, that I would keep my mouth shut and tell them what they wanted to hear instead of what they needed to hear. But I had one who just kept on sending me email after email after email asking me to review this and that and every other thing. And finally, I said, you cannot wait for me to review everything that you create before you move forward. Like, this is your business. You are the expert. People are going to you. So you have to have confidence in what you're doing so that you can move on and that when our project here is over, that you can keep on moving forward. Mm. I was not that nice. I don't say that very often, but I was not that nicely worded in the email. I wasn't mean, but this client needed to hear that because the whole project had dragged out already four times as long as it was supposed to because every single step of the way, waiting for feedback. Yep. If you need feedback, go to the people that you're asking you know, who are your ideal clients and ask them, what do you think of this? Do you like this one or this one? And I'm always happy to give feedback when we're on a call, but I can't, I can't be having 18,000 feedback questions in a day because or else we're not going to get anywhere. How do you feel about that? Am I just being totally mean? No, I think that's totally true. I mean, one of my virtual assistant friends has a great line at the bottom of her autoresponder on her email. And it says, poor planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. And I just thought that is so great. I mean, what a great way to yes. be like, you know, my time is valuable. And that if you want me to help you, then we need to make a plan and, you know, put it into place and not just be constantly reacting. We need to be proactive. So I, I totally agree with you. I think it's hard. I don't think that 
I'm necessarily that great at it all the time. I've definitely been in your shoes where, you know, you put up with it, you put up with it. And all of a sudden you're like, listen, I can't do this anymore. You know, but I think setting boundaries and having some, some rules that you, you stop working at five or you only check your email once a day. I mean, I think those are so important for your mental health as well as, you know, the, the health of the relationship between you and your client. Absolutely. So by the time this episode goes out, I'll have already been able to share. I can't even tell you as of this very moment, I'm like dying to release some information, but I found out that I'm going to be speaking at She Podcast this fall. Congratulations. Thank you. And one of the things that I've realized is that there is so much that needs to get done before I go speak there. Yeah. That my time after five o'clock has to be my time. So I've gotten so much better about not responding to emails or to using the the little handy dandy schedule button in Gmail that will send it at eight o'clock the next morning. Because when clients see my response go out at eight or 10 or 11 or this morning at one eleven a.m., <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, she's still up. I can ask her another question. No. And again, my sister she has a young child, so she might be up in the middle of the night doing some work, which is not like I don't ask my team by any means to be up in the middle of the night doing work for me. But if she's up and she wants to do it, by all means, I can't stop her. She's like a thousand miles away from me. But I did tell her, if you're responding from my inbox or from yours, you got to do it. Like you got to schedule because we can't set the precedent that we're going to be responding at whenever the email comes in. Yeah. And sometimes I forget. And then it comes back and it bites me in the butt hard. Yeah. But I've also realized that in order to get everything done for this engagement, like I need to plow out some client projects that are just taking a little bit. It's not necessarily long on my part, but just there's a little bit of handholding and they need to get done. So this is a big period of push, push, push. Mm -hmm. And no, listeners, I am not sleeping eight hours a night, but I wake up when my body says it's ready to get up, usually after six. But I realize... Have you noticed that there's a season, a reason, or a lesson in everything? <laughs> yep. Yes. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going through right now. Season, reason, or lesson. But this is the season of get it done so we can get yeah. a lot more done. And I am so not afraid of There are mistakes all over the place. And if you're part of my list, you'll see that actually my, <laughs> my PS in my emails is positive productivity is not about perfection. Please pardon the typos. Yeah. Like, don't fill my inbox with notifications that I spelled there wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's okay. It's okay. If you're worried about how I spelled there wrong, which that's not usually the one that I do get wrong, but there's bigger things to be worrying about, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And when that email goes out, it's not like you can take it back and change it anyway. Oh, heck no. I sent out one this morning with the wrong link. Oh, but I'm not going to follow it with one of those, oops, I sent the wrong link emails. Yeah. Because, oh, those drive me crazy. I know it's taught in some circles. Yes. But yep. no. What is one of the funniest mistakes you've made in the last three years in your business? Oh, man. Yeah. Funny mistakes? <laughs> Gosh. I don't know. I mean, spelling is always my downfall. I mean, there are pins out there on Pinterest that are misspelled. There are... <laughs> plenty of, you know, like making products and you put it out there and somebody responds and is like, uh, you have a misspelled one word calendar. I misspelled calendar. I put out something where I misspelled calendar the entire time. Did you put ER instead of AR? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Thank goodness for auto or for spell check because or else yeah. I would get that wrong every single time. Grammarly has become my best friend. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Embarrassing or embarrassed gets me too. I never yep. remember the double R's. Yep. Yeah. Well, when I first started online business, I always forgot the I and then I was like, why doesn't this look right? And so that one now is ingrained in my head. I always spell that one right now. (laughs) Well, my first business was called Kaleidoscope. Oh, and people would get upset because I wasn't responding to their emails. And then it occurred to me, you chose probably one of the hardest words for people to remember how to spell. If they're trying to get in touch with you, they're going to, I mean, I would love to to be able to see a report of how many emails attempted to be sent to me, mm-hmm. but due to a typo in the spelling of kaleidoscope, yep, they went to the wrong place. Yep. Yeah. I always tell people now, if you're naming a business, don't make it, you know, hard to spell or intentionally misspelled. People will never find you online or they'll send you the wrong email address. I mean, sometimes I see business names and I'm like, oh, that was a bad choice. Yeah, just because Cool Cats is taken with two C's doesn't mean go do it with two K's. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you love for your children to see as you've been growing your businesses? And part two of that question is, would you support their journey as an entrepreneur? Or I guess I'm actually wondering, I went to college, but I'm not pushing college on my kids. Mm. So yeah, my kids are super into being little entrepreneurs. My oldest is 10. and Since she was about four, she wants to go to the farmer's market and sell muffins. Or one day she set up a store in our front lawn to sell wooden tops. She had gotten like plain wooden tops to paint and she decorated them and then she wanted to sell them all. So she obviously has the entrepreneurial gene in her and (laughs) I think we'll be following in my footsteps. I love running my own business. And if my kids wanted to skip college and, you know, start a business, I would be all for it. Especially nowadays, I feel like my husband went back to school and got his master's when we had two small kids. And we have a lot of student loan debt, just about a mortgage worth of student loan debt. And if my kids can avoid that, (laughs) I would be all for it. You know, I'm like, go to trade school and get, you know, a profession that you work with your hands, but you make, you know, decent money and there's always a need for it. Or start your own business with something that you're really passionate about. So even if you're not making super great money, you know, it's something that you really enjoy doing. I'd much rather my kids be happy and be doing something they loved than, you know, to go to school, have a ton of debt and be, you know, a lawyer or a doctor just for their prestige. Yes, I completely agree. I graduated college almost 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm still paying off that debt. And I don't see it anywhere in the foreseeable future. Yeah. And then my husband's college debt on top of that, too. Yeah. That system is broken right now, I think. I don't think it's, you know, I I don't know how colleges can raise prices (laughs) and still have normal people going to school. You know, I mean, it just people can't live with this much debt. Mm -mm. No, I mean, when I graduated college, I went to the top art school in the country. Mm -hmm. So I was in Chicago and I moved to New York because that's where I got a job. And the renters agents left me right out of Manhattan because there was no way I could afford it. And I, you know, I thought going to the top art school in the country that I would have a really great income. But even in 2001, I was only paid 32,000 to start. And I have to admit, it didn't get much higher than that. Yeah. I mean, I guess I sort of expected 
a year of income to be more than a year of tuition. And I was wrong. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good way to think about it. Yeah. My biggest thing with my kids is I want them to be happy. Mistakes are perfectly okay. But let's just be honest. Yeah. Like honesty is key. If you make a mistake, admit it. There's no reason to lie. And I will be the first to admit that most of the first 30 years of my life were spent lying because I didn't know how to state the truth. I was embarrassed by mistakes I made. And when I left my ex, I committed to myself that I wasn't going to lie. And, you know, with the rare or with the exception of Christmas presents and birthday presents, I've been 99.9%, you know, lie free. Yeah, that's great. You know, I agree. I would like to raise kids who are, you know, are truthful and living to their full potential. And I think it's hard if you don't model that for them. You know, if if you don't tell them when you've messed up, you know, I try really hard. Like, if I do something that wasn't right, or I've made a mistake, I tell them, you know, I'm sorry, I've made a mistake. This is what I should have done. You know, this is what I'll do next time. Because I, I think that's the only way they really learn. You can't just just talk the talk, you have to walk the walk with them. You just gave me a big aha parallel about my relationship with my kids and my relationship with my clients. Mm-hmm. Because as a parent, I want to be my child's friend. You know, I want them to feel like they can share anything with me and know that I'm not going to judge. Yep. But I am also the parent. So when there are rules, they need to be followed. And there needs to be a level of respect here, knowing that I am the parent. So if I'm talking to you, be quiet. But also as a client, we we need to be, and I've crossed this line sometimes where I've overshared with clients. Mm -hmm. This is something that I'm also very much addressing in 2019 is I'm here for the work, right? Like I'm here to support you as the person who's doing your services, but let's cut to the chase and get the work done. And then if when the work's done, there's time. Oh my gosh, I feel like I sound so mean, but we can spend all day chit chatting, but let's just get to the work. And then we can see where it goes from there. Yeah. Plus, I don't need, you know, there was a rough period last year where I had to cancel some client calls. And there was one that I was supposed to have on a very, very rough day. And I actually called the client from my car and broke down crying. And it later came back and bit me in the butt. Uh, we don't need that. So yeah. when we're having those rough days, what I've learned is that a simple one line email saying something popped up here. I'm unable to meet, you know, let me know when works good for you to reschedule. Yeah. That's good enough. We don't need to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like when I take on clients, I always say, you know, I have three kids. Mm-hmm. I I do my very best to always make every meeting and be on time, but things do happen, you know, snow days and sick days and doctor's appointments and things you weren't expecting or things I weren't, wasn't expecting. Uh So I need you to know ahead of time that there will be times when I need you to be flexible. And I, I think getting that out ahead of time and, and just saying, you know, my life is not just work, you know, it goes a long way towards keeping a good relationship with clients. I have one final question, and it's actually related to that. Currently, I'm reading Girl Stop Apologizing by Rachel Hollis. Have you read that? Yes. And one thing that she talks about, and I'm still at the very beginning of the book, is her displeasure for 
expressions like mompreneur and girl boss and things like that. You know, why do we need to add that added girl or lady or woman to our title? Because men don't have to do it. And when you were saying that, I realized I do the same thing with my clients. Mm -hmm. But do men, do men have to explain that? No. And do we really have to explain it? Yes. You want to know why I think? Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Because if your kids are sick, who takes the day off? You know, if your kid has a doctor's appointment, who takes the time out of their schedule to bring them? In our house, 99% of the time, it's me. You know, occasionally, if everybody in the house is sick, my husband will stay home to, you know, help out. But, you know, I'm the one who keeps the schedule for everybody. I'm the one who stops what I'm doing and goes to pick up the kid that threw up at school. So I don't think men have to explain it because they're usually not that person. And, you know, I think moms, if you're working mostly with women and moms, maybe you don't have to say it out loud because they they just know. But I think if you have male clients or clients who don't have kids already, there needs to be some sort of expectation set at the beginning. If you're not the mom, I really don't think you understand. And people are like, oh, no, I get it. And I I don't think they do. I don't think the mental calendar that's in my head can really be understood by a person who doesn't live that life as well. You know, you you might think that you understand, but I keep a track not only of my schedule with clients and appointments and stuff, but three other people's schedule. Right. You know, it's, it's a constant keeping up. It's a constant, all right, we've got this and this and this today. And you know, if you're not used to keeping that many people's schedules in your head, I don't think there's any way that you can truly understand sort of the level of focus that it takes (laughs) to keep all that. And, you know, I mean, not that men can't be busy or can't be participants, but I think most of the time, they're not the people who are really keeping everybody's life on track, and are making the adjustments that need to be made when something goes, you know, wrong, or, you know, something has to change last minute. Oh, I love that. 10 months ago, my husband quit his job. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a disabled veteran and it was just becoming too painful, but I will not lie at all. He was able to quit his job because we had finally been able to buy our house. I know that might sound backwards to a lot of you, but my husband needed to be in his job showing the 40 hour a week commitment because the banks were not liking the fact that I'm an entrepreneur when we were trying to buy the house. So we did what we had to do so that we could buy our house. But I make 10 times more than what he was making as a retail manager. But he needed to stay on the job every single time there was a sick kid because we could not afford to show those weeks when there were less than 40 hours. I mean, we would have disqualified ourselves immediately for a mortgage if we didn't have it. And it was so painful. Emma, this has been just an amazing conversation. I have loved every single moment of it. Where can listeners find you online, read your blog, get to know more about your sales pages and what you do and about you? Well, my blog is emmaleebates.com. Not Emily, but Emma Lee. And um, you can find all sorts of stuff there, blog posts and you know, work with me and that type of thing. And then I also have a Facebook group called Business Building for Busy Moms. And I would love if listeners would join. We have some interesting conversations there and constantly sharing about things that I'm doing. So those are probably the two best places to find me. Awesome. And listeners, the links will be in the show notes, which you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP 
597. I completely forgot to have that spreadsheet open right then. But again, that's thekimsutton.com forward slash PP597. This has, again, just been so amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share with listeners? I'll share something about copywriting. One of my freebies that you can grab on my site is called the Ideal Customer Workbook. And I think before you write anything for a course or a blog post or whatever you are writing, that you need to be incredibly super clear on who you're writing it for. So that you can use the terms that they would know, you can use you know, phrases that they would respond to. And that if you haven't gotten your ideal customer really, really deeply nailed down, that your copy is not going to connect. So go grab my ideal customer workbook if you need a little help in that department. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. (laughs) 